Hello and welcome to Melden Law and Friends, a weekly podcast brought to you by Melden Law, a statewide law firm with its primary office in Gainesville and also with offices in South Florida covering the entire Tri-County area, Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach County, and also in Marion County for our 26th year in Ocala. My name is Chris Qualman. I'm here with my boss, my mentor, my good friend, Jeffrey Melden. This is our 13th episode of Melden Law and Friends. What a ride. Yes, it's been really exciting. For those of you that know, we've been doing a radio show since 2002, but coming into the podcast format has been really exciting. It is, and remains to be. Every week, you know, we try to bring in people, leaders, people who are influencers, make a huge difference. Today is certainly no exception when it comes to that. Yeah, we've got... Uh, the big kahuna here, Mary Wise, okay? <laughs> and uh, thank you for joining us, Mary. Coach, we really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for the invites. So, Coach, Mary Wise, uh, you've been, what, this year now, your 30th year um, as the head volleyball coach, and you've got 24 SEC Southeastern Conference championships, so qu quite an accomplishment, to say the least. So how did you do it? Uh, with talented players. <laughs> That's how you do it. No question. We've been very blessed to have a great run. Um, when it was so, you know, all those decades ago that I came to Florida, um, I was assistant at Kentucky and could see from the other side of the net, all of the resources that Florida had, the success at that time, it was swimming and tennis and the success they had in those sports and thought, you could you could win at Florida in the sport of volleyball, and lucky enough that uh, got the job, and um, they have been able to get rid of me since. <laughs> I've been fortunate enough to be able to stay. Now, Mary, you were one of Jeremy Foley's first hires, right? Actually, Jeremy was the business manager. That's how old I am. How long? Bill Arnsbarger was the athletics director, and it was Anne Marie Rogers who took a chance on a young female. Um, they brought in three coaches. The other two had more experience than me, but she took a chance. And I don't ever miss an opportunity to thank Anne-Marie Rogers for the hire. Jeremy was the business manager only for a short time until he moved into the, the big chair and worked for Jeremy, blessed to work for Jeremy for a number of years. What was it like over the years working with Jeremy? Um, he... he he is um, he was able to be both a mentor and a boss and a friend. You know, how do you how do you do all those roles? I remember one time reaching out to him um, as I was trying to go through a team issue. And even though Jeremy hadn't coached, he just understood into motivating people and build, obviously, look what he built here at the UAA. So he was a wonderful mentor and he with a business mind. Um, he was also a huge fan. And uh, he used to, there was a time where he would call me before every single match to wish me good luck. Well, I think what happened is then we added softball and lacrosse and he realized he'd be on the phone all day if he did that with every coach. But I always knew he always paid attention to the scores. Now, you were working as an assistant coach at Kentucky before you took the job here, right? Yeah, I kind of strange my career, very strange, because I was a head coach at Iowa State at a really young age, then went to Kentucky when uh, my husband Mark and I got married, and I was on the staff at Kentucky as an assistant, and then came to Florida. Now, Kentucky had a pretty good volleyball program, right? We did. We, um, I was fortunate enough to work for a great head coach, and we were in the tournament. NCAA turn, won the SEC went in the NCAA tournament, got to the round of 16. And at that time, that was a huge accomplishment for an SEC That must team. have been interesting because Kentucky obviously is known for being uh, pretty good at a certain sport. <laughs> so you went from there, though. Then you came to Florida, which had this football culture. But like you said, Jeremy seemed to have this vision that when he took over as AD from Coach Arnsbarger, he wanted to build up all the programs. And it's really amazing how he did that. That's exactly right on both points. One, I mean, if you're a basketball fan, and in my family, that's hard not to be, Kentucky's a really good place to be. But, I, but they didn't have the resources 
to be able to like the pie, there's only so much money and they didn't have the, at that time, that long ago, but Florida had the resources and because of Jeremy's philosophy committed the resources because the goal was that if whatever sport we have it, that we're going to sponsor, we're going to make it a positive experience for the student athlete. And part of that is the resources to be successful. Mary, let me ask you this. When you came in here, um, how did you uh, ramp up recruiting? Because as you said, getting good players is probably the single most important uh, aspect of getting a championship team together. Well, the challenge at the time is that there weren't as many elite volleyball players. There just weren't the number of great volleyball players. And so we were really, really lucky. I was fortunate with the players that were in the program at the time I took over. And in the recruiting, we did some international recruiting and we, and, and Florida just had the name. We went to Texas. We still go to Texas, but what's happened over the years, do you know that girls volleyball is the most, is the number one team sport in high school today, meaning more girls play volleyball than saw any other team sport. So more girls playing, I mean, you, your pool, your talent pool is bigger and there are more great players. And that, when I first got here, the great players were, you could find, they were all in California and they were all staying close to home. And so recruiting them was not, they weren't going to leave home. Why would they? And now there's great talent all over the country. Yeah. You know, I, I went on uh, uh, Google last night and checked you out. I saw your dream <laughs> team comment. I thought that was a great deal. That was a lot of fun. Huh? Yeah, that was the NCAA reached out and gave me the opportunity to present these different awards and from and I could use the meaning the Terminator, the you know, they use volleyball awards, the clutch gene and all. And could I and I could go back to all the way to for my first year. The, but the hardest part was deciding who to leave off. But I loved that. I wish I could I wish I could do that every week. That was really a lot of fun. Mary, is it harder building up the team or sustaining the success? It's a great, that is a really good question. I think today, because of the number of talented players, I, I'm going to say that women's volleyball is closer to men's basketball. You know how men's basketball, there'll be a, a team that comes from out of nowhere, that like not maybe not out of a power five, but they have a great year because they have a great player or you know, they've got a player comes in maybe it was a slightly under recruited and takes that team because there's so much talent in men's basketball. Well, we're not quite that point, but we're much closer than we were when we, when I first got here. So I don't think building a program is as difficult, but boy, sustaining it um, because you got so many contenders every, you know, I look at our, our league. There was a time where, we were so much better than anybody in the league. We didn't even drop a set. Um, and you know what would that be like? That'd be like playing a football schedule and never being ever being behind a single quarter throughout the entire season. I saw where you had a record. You had like 110 straight wins or something. It was incredible. We had a pretty good run, didn't we? But part of that was there wasn't, again, there wasn't enough talent around the country that the, and and the other schools in the league hadn't committed the resources like they have now. And I think Missouri and Texas A&M coming to the league was great for volleyball because those are two schools that had already put major resources into their volleyball program. And so you know, they got say Missouri coming in. We got Missouri yeah. coming in February 6th, Saturday at 2 p.m. So that should be a really great uh, start for the uh, winter home schedule. Since they've been in the league, they've been amazing matchups, Florida versus Missouri. And that's right. It's on a Saturday afternoon. Um, we're get with one of the best players in, in the country um, at, at Missouri. And so here we go again. You know, you say I've been here 30 years. Now it's like 30 and a half because we've had, we're having two seasons this year, having played in the fall and now the spring. So you actually, though, have your first game a week from today on the 29th. That first game, I think it's, uh, who's that against again? Ole Miss. Against Ole Miss. That's right. Ole Miss. 
We're going to Oxford and uh, they had a coaching change since the last, uh, oh, since a year ago. And um, their, their head coach comes from the um, powerhouse volleyball program, Nebraska. And she was also uh, an Olympian. So I think good things are in store. They'll be well coached. I'm sure they'll be well prepared. And you've actually, you've been to some final fours. You've had four final four appearances as I understand it. And that's, that's gotta be quite an experience. It's, um, it is pretty special. Um, I, I think for women's sports, women athletes, there are times where they are, they're, they're playing their hearts out and they're doing every, you know, competing hard, but may not be getting the national attention and playing in the final four is the first taste of that, the national exposure. So the last time we did was in 2017 and the amount of, you know, and you know how we, we count as attention as followers for our, for our volleyball program, for our individual players, are those play those seniors on that 17 team, they're rock stars. They have tens of thousands of people still following them from the, the attention we got playing in the final four. Social media obviously changed everything. I mean, you started long before the dawn of the internet, but now, like you said, with people having followers with Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and everything else, that, that really changed the, the, the level of everything, I'm sure. And it's only going to keep changing when the NCAA passes the name, image, and likeness, which we understand is going to be in August, and how that will change in terms of student athletes being able to earn money, which they haven't from their own image, which they haven't been able to do. So why is it smart for a great volleyball player to come to the University of Florida? Because at the University of Florida, the philosophy has not changed in 30 years. And that is that of the resources that are provided to, to Kyle Trask as the starting quarterback, will be provided to our starting setter in the most important areas. That's sports medicine and the academic resources, nutrition, all of the the facilities. And so that there isn't the the gap from the top of the food chain to a women's volleyball player. And And this also happens to be a fantastic university to get your degree from. We've got to take a break. That's a great thought. I want to continue on that as we come back. You are watching Meldon Law and Friends weekly podcast from Meldon Law, our primary practice areas, our personal injury and criminal defense. Take a look at our website, www.meldonlaw.com. We're so honored to have Coach Mary Wise, head coach, longtime head coach of the women's basketball team, University of Florida. We will be right back. I was riding as a passenger in my friend's vehicle. A fellow ran a stop sign and we T-boned him. Had neck and shoulder and knee injuries and didn't know what to do. And I had remember seeing one of Jeffrey's ads. So I gave him a call. He explained everything to me. I'd go see him and everything was done. Everything was taken care of. Don't waste your time with anybody else. Go see Jeffrey. I was in a truck accident. Because of the accident, I've resulted in three back surgeries. We saw advertisements on TV, and guess who popped up more often than that? It was Jeffrey. The communication that he provided was so appreciative. He shows his compassion as a human. He assisted us in achieving one of our dreams, the acquisition of a home. And we're here today with smiles on our face with the assistance from Jeffrey. Hello and welcome back to Melden Law and Friends. Today is Friday, the 22nd of January, 2021. We are so honored to have head coach Mary Wise of the Florida Gators, the extraordinarily successful coach of the Florida Gator volleyball team. Jeffrey, you know, we've been doing some promotions the last couple of weeks, ever since Melden Law became the official community law firm sponsor, I should say, of the Florida Gators. Uh, we did a huge promotion at the Kentucky basketball game. We still have T-shirts, by the way, to give away for those. Come on our website or come on the Meldon Law Facebook page. Leave a comment. I want a shirt. You'll get the best shirt, I swear. Ever give it away at one of those games? Hugely successful um, gymnastics promotion. Um, last week at the Georgia meet, we've got one coming up uh, against Missouri. But we're also going to be doing one for volleyball. Yes, and uh, for those of you that... Uh 
aren't familiar with Gator Volleyball. It's the uh, winningest program in the history of the SEC. Mary Wise has been at the helm for the last 30 years, and uh, we have an extraordinary uh, level of talent that comes in year after year uh, to, to our volleyball program at UF. And it's really our privilege to be uh, interviewing Mary Wise today because she's legendary, over 900 wins uh, <laughs> to her credit in her career. And for those of you that uh, follow wins, it's like uh, in men's basketball, uh, when you get to that 900 level, you're in the elite uh, uh, clouds as far as uh, coaches. So uh, thank you very much, Mary. And what we're going to do is put together this great package to get people really excited about the opening uh, for the winter season for volleyball. Uh, we're going to give away four prime seats for the uh, volleyball contest plus a uh, $100 gift <laughs> certificate to Harry's Seafood. And uh, we're going to... Uh, have everybody go to our... We go to the website, go right? To the you website. go to the website at www.meldenlaw.com. There will be a link to sign up for the promotion for that first volleyball game on February 6th. And we also still have pending the uh, Missouri game, the Missouri gymnastics event coming up on the 29th, I believe. That's one week from today. So you can still go to meldenlaw.com. In fact, our producer was telling me, what did we have close to 1,000 people register for the first one? For the Georgia meets, we'll probably have at least that many for this upcoming uh, Missouri meet and now for the volleyball. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, you know, volleyball and gymnastics fill the uh, O-Dome uh, with fans. And uh, mm -hmm. because of COVID, there's only 25% uh, capacity. So these events are going to be sold out. And that's why <laughs> Melden Law, we're able to score some extra tickets because uh, we're the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators. So we want to share them with uh, our fans, and uh, we really want to get behind uh, the uh, Florida Gator volleyball team. Uh, Mary, I wanted to ask you uh, on a, a little different topic. Um, uh, we had um, Natalia, Natalia Bannister on, and she was talking about pace last uh, week and the golf program that you're involved in. Can you tell us? A little bit about your involvement with Pace, because I know you're, you know, one of their number one, uh, you know, promoters and uh, very involved. <laughs> I, I am certainly aim on the first team all cheerleader for the Pace Center for Girls. I came to know that program when the woman who hired me, who I mentioned earlier, Amory Rogers, was the chair for their golf tournament to raise funds. This is the, you know, the school for at-risk girls in our community. And it provides a year-round schooling to get them in, get them on the right track, and then transition back into school. And their success rate, that's what I was blown away with what they do, their success rate of helping troubled girls, girls who's no fault of their own. So many of them had had just a really, really rough road early on and pace has changed them. And the success of those girls and going on and graduating from high school and college and it, I just became hooked. And so I asked, could I continue to be part? And the tradition has been, we had to miss last, April, but we're back for, so it's April 30th. It's the last Friday in April every year that we do the pace scramble for girls to raise money for girls in our community. And that's, I, I do love being a part and thank you for letting me talk about it today. So Mary, uh, you know, you, you're coaching up um, some extraordinary women and pace is working with some uh girls that have challenges. Are there any similarities in what you do and what Natalia does with her team? You know, I think the similar, it's a great, another great question. I think the similarity is that like with our athletes, if you can build them up in terms of identifying what they do well, I call it make, make, you know, what your, your, your talents, your talents, you bring them each day and you build up your weaknesses, but if they're surrounded by those that believe in them and, you know, as a staff, we believe in them, we recruited them. And yes, there are challenges and they're not going to be perfect, but it's a safe environment where they can fail in practice to get better. Natalia Pace does the same thing. They create a supportive 
environment where they help these girls get on track. So I think the biggest difference, though, would be that our players, they had opportunities when they were young. The girls that end up at pace, again, through no fault of their own, they didn't have, like in our community, you think about the wonderful Girl Scouts and the and the girls' place and youth volleyball and youth soccer and gymnastics. Think about all the wonderful programs for girls in our community. There, the, the programs are there. These girls just didn't have the, the opportunities to be part. That's the biggest difference. So if people want to sign up for the Pace Golf, golf Tournament, what do they where can they go? The PaceAlachua.org is the website for our Pace Center right here in town. And um, I, I hope that it, we've been very fortunate, beautiful weather. We played at UF Golf Course. Um, we Sometimes we get the hard, hardcore golfers. Sometimes we get the hacks who just want to help a good cause. We will take anybody's money. I'll Everybody be in that second invited. category, the hacks. <laughs> You're invited. That's great. And so uh, April 30th uh, coming up and uh, folks can go to uh, uh, PaceAlachua.org and uh, sign up. And we encourage everybody who's watching and listening to uh, get involved. Uh, Natalia Bannister does an incredible she job. She certainly does. And uh, probably if you're going to say uh, what a tough job it is for a coach, uh, her, her job as a coach is one of the toughest. And she 100%. does an amazing job. And the right? whole staff, trauma-informed, and uh, they, they do a wonderful job. We really appreciate what you do with that, Coach Wise. I want to ask you something. Okay, so you and your husband, uh, Mark, Mark also is pretty well-known in the sports industry. Uh, he is an ESPN analyst, long involved with basketball. It must be interesting juggling the two careers you have in the sports industry. Yeah, normally that that crossover of November through December is the tough time because that's the end of our season normally and the start of basketball. But now we're going to go from, we started back in August and now, and now he's in basketball. So there's a, usually a whole lot of missing each other traveling now because he's broadcasting so many games from home, um, which has been great for us. Uh, but I will tell you this during, as soon as volleyball, spring volleyball comes on, there's going to be a challenge of who gets the TV remote. Is it, are we going to be watching basketball games? Cause usually that's all he's watching and I'll be wanting to watch volleyball. So this will be more challenging than normal. So Mary, you've had a lot of challenges because of COVID obviously. Mm -hmm. What do you think are some of the learning lessons or positives that have come out of the COVID challenges? You know, when we first started back in and we were in the gym training, we were the first indoor sport to do so. So basketball hadn't started their practice and all of the protocols for how do you how do you manage this? How do you travel? We we were making it up on the fly because no one knew. And I think we learned the importance of. Can you make, it's all about responsibility and good decision-making. And I feel so blessed and fortunate that we didn't miss, we were never shut down in the fall because of either tracing or positive. Some, obviously there are things that are out of your control, but can our players show responsibility and, and sacrifices? Because you have to make sacrifices of decisions that you're going to make to protect the team. And I think that really shows a team first commitment and that's what our players have done i imagine that's impacted your recruiting as well you, you've had to do things in a, in a different kind of way i would think right recruiting has become virtual so let me tell you what a challenge is matt watching 15 year olds play volleyball on a computer from a camera way off the court it is not easy the campus visits that we did Back in the summer, they, they were all done on Zoom calls, but um, we did pretty good in those. And so maybe some of those things we will continue to do. So you asked me you know, what challenges and changes are made. Um, maybe we'll do more recruiting in terms of first meeting a player and her family on Zoom. We never would have thought of that. Did you even know what Zoom was before a pandemic? Our schedule is now we play the same opponent back-to-back -back nights. So we talked about playing Missouri on Friday, February 5th. 
6th, well, we also play them Sunday, February 7th. So it's two matches against the same team to limit travel. Will that be the norm in the future? We'll see. Coach, let me ask you this. One thing, same question I posed to Coach Becky Burley we had a couple of weeks ago. What would be your advice to, to a young girl? you know, who's watching your team, they're watching, watches these volleyball stars, watches the Olympics, who wants to get into competitive volleyball. What would you say to that girl and her parents as a way of uh, moving forward with such dreams? I think my first advice would be play them all. I mean, play all the sports. Any, when you're a young girl should try it all. Um, go, go start in gymnastics and then you're and hopefully you get too tall. So you end gymnastics. But softball, soccer, swimming, tennis, anything, play as many different sports as you can when you're young to develop those motor skills and athletic skills. And then hope, and then come to volleyball. Girls Place is a wonderful program to start real, real early, uh, but, but in a very non-threatening Saturday morning games just for the fun of it. There's also the club programs, but don't specialize too soon. I about to the point where I can, in recruiting, point to you, those are the players that's, that only played volleyball because the real athletic ones, they played more than just volleyball growing up. That was true when I first came here, and it's true now. The difference is we get – there's this feeling, this th thought that you can only play one sport, and, and especially for girls – you know, because girls, we're just not socialized to play the pickup games in the neighborhood like my boys did growing up. So if their only athletic event is because there's no longer physical education in schools. So it's only through these these activities that's going to limit their athleticism if they don't play at them all. All right. Great advice, coach. It seems like every time we have a guest, especially like yourself, with so many accomplishments, we could go on and on. We'll have to have you back. We, we thoroughly enjoyed and tremendously appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Um, we normally have a bag that uh, we give our guests when they're here live in person. We'll send you one. And I know on behalf of Jeffrey and the firm, we, we so appreciate your time. Uh, you are, we, you have been watching and are still watching Meldon Law and Friends, a service of Meldon Law, a weekly podcast. Again, thank you so much, Coach. Uh, big promotion coming up and... Um, Go to our website, MeldonLaw.com, to sign up. Thank you again, uh, Coach Wise. And uh, we're going to be following Gator <laughs> Volleyball all season, and we're going to be behind you and supporting you. We'll be right back. Thank you so much for watching. And I was in an accident. Someone ran red light and hit me, and I was hurt. You don't know where to turn. Luckily, I called Jeffrey. These big insurance companies, they don't want you to win. They truly don't. But Jeffrey and his firm and the people that work here, they just really fight for you. You call the law offices of Jeffrey Belden because you're going to need help and they will help you. I've done mornings here on Sky Radio for 17 years. Jeffrey Meldon started doing his weekend show here 16 years ago. One of the things that separates Jeffrey is I don't see him out there hollering for people's business. I see him out there investing in the community. He's touched a lot of lives, and a lot of it he'll never know what a difference he made in somebody's life about information that he has shared on the air. Hello and welcome back to Meldon Lawn, friends. That was a great segment, Jeffrey. We just had with Coach Wise and just like with, you know, we had Coach Burley. It's amazing. The two of them, the, the longevity, the success they've had with the programs, it's really pretty incredible. Yes. Uh, the University of Florida women's athletic programs are some of the best in the country. We're going to um, have to have Tim Walton on with the, uh, <laughs> the women's uh, softball uh, program. Sure, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's really very, very exciting uh, to be part of the University of Florida athletic uh, program, particularly during the challenging times of COVID. It's just amazing to see how everybody's adjusted and really uh, kept the success sure, going. And with, keep, with that theme of keeping success, we had that extraordinary promotion that we just did for the Georgia gymnastics event. We gave away four tickets. I think they were your personal tickets and the $100 Harry's gift certificate. We had 
nearly a thousand, maybe even more than that, people apply for that. So we're going to keep this going. Yeah, there's 8,000 people that normally come to these events and there's yeah. only 2,000 seats. So they're all sold out and we want to help give some of our seats. Mm -hmm. uh, as many of you know, we're the <laughs> only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators. So we're able to score tickets uh, <laughs> and I'm willing to give my tickets up so, in order to make some uh, fans. So happen. today is the 22nd, but a week from today, the Gator Gymnastics team is back against Missouri and we're doing the same promotion. You have to go to MeldonLaw.com. You have to go to our website to register. And it's right at the top. Right. You'll see, you know, yeah. enter the contest. It's in red at the top of the homepage. <laughs> so you won't have any trouble finding it. And as we so often do, sometimes very spontaneously and organically, as, as you saw in the last segment with Coach Wise, we're going to do the same thing for the first women's volleyball game, which is a week, two weeks from today on February 6th. Well, actually, it's Saturday. All right, Saturday, it's, close. It's February 6th, <laughs> Missouri, 2 p.m., and then uh, the following day is uh, another match, February 6th, against Missouri. But we're going to be giving away four prime seats to Saturday, <laughs> February 6th, Missouri, the opening volleyball game for the uh, winter season. And Missouri is one of the top teams in the country and uh, in the SEC. And it's going to be uh, one hell of a match. I think we heard Coach Wise say last segment they've got one of the top volleyball players in the country. Uh, they are traditionally one of the very top programs, along with Florida, Penn State, Stanford, others. So that'll be a great match. By all means, I'm, I'm sure we'll get the same response, given, uh, hey, the $100 gift certificate to Harry's, I'd do it just for that. But you've also got a great a great contest to watch. And also, the so the gymnastics you can go to meldenlaw.com right at the top, enter the contest, and just let them know you want uh, the gymnastic tickets for Friday, January 29th at 645, and you'll be able to uh, have some great seats there. I, I had a, a wonderful time uh, last uh, week with the uh, winners and uh, uh uh, Miss Marshall came yeah, with her sure. daughter, and the uh, they they loved it. They had a wonderful time. Kathy, Katie Marshall is so, her name, and she she had a great time. So we want to um, really enjoy uh, giving tickets to everybody, and the team needs your support. They do. So let's get out. Re there. Real quick, we got to wrap this up. We have Ken Cornell coming up in just a couple of moments. The county commissioner, Alachua County. We want to remind you, Meldon Law is a statewide law firm. Fort Lauderdale, Miami, the entire Tri County area all the way up the state through Marion County and our main office in Gainesville. Take a look at our website, meldenlaw.com, or give us a call toll-free, 1-800-373-8000. Thank you so much. We'll be right back with Commissioner Ken Cornell. The Melden Law Firm from the beginning has been built on giving back to the community. I enjoy coming to work as much today as I did in 1971 when I opened my practice. I don't look at this as a job, I look at it as serving other people. While we're alive, what better feeling can you achieve than knowing that you've helped other people and thereby you enrich your own life? Hello and welcome back to Melden Law and Friends. Today is Friday, January 22nd, 2021. Third Friday of the month. Hard to believe, Jeffrey, that uh, we're already more than halfway through January. Yes. In 2021, uh, I think there's a lot more optimism uh, in the year than uh, last year. And uh, so we're very excited. And we have a uh, very important uh, guest today, uh, Ken Cornell, who's the uh, head honcho over at the uh, county commission. <laughs> right. So welcome, Ken. How you doing? Hey, Jeffrey. Hey, guys. Uh, I wouldn't say head honcho. One of five. I'm just one of five. <laughs> but but you, you, you are the chairman or whatever they call it. That's correct. Yeah, we every uh, every year the commissioners uh, decide who's uh, the lucky chair. And this is this is my year. So I'm currently the chair. That's correct. Well, we really appreciate you uh, taking the time, uh, Mr. Commissioner, to be on our program Certainly, it goes without saying, uh, 2020 was a year of tremendous challenges, I'm sure, not just for all of us individually, but for your organization, the Alachua County Board of County Commissioners. And we wanted to talk about one issue, at least to start off, that's on everybody's minds, the COVID-19 rollout. And 
I, I actually, before bringing you on, I took the time to look at your last commission meeting, uh, the video of it, and I saw the presentation. And there are some amazing statistics. It seems like Alachua County is, is doing very well. I think I heard that it's number one in the state in terms of per capita vaccinations, but maybe for the benefit of our viewers and listeners on different formats, talk a little bit about what's going on with the vaccine rollout. Sure, happy to do that. First of all, as, as well as we're doing, I think there's always room for improvement. And certainly um, uh, we all recognize that. The uh, county is really a facilitator of information. We are not the lead agency in charge of the vaccines. We are um, basically helping the governor follow the governor's order for getting the vaccines out, which is primarily being done through the hospital systems. Um, being fortunate enough to have the, what I call the best hospital in the Southeast with UF Health, um, and the best private hospital with North Florida Regional Medical Center, the best VA hospital with the VA. We are fortunate to live in a county that has three excellent hospital systems that are rolling out uh, the vaccine. And that is being supplemented by um, a very, very excellent health department uh, in Palmyra. And so we had a town hall meeting on January 6th to kind of let everyone know where we were. We'll be having another one, uh, give a little plug here on uh, Monday night, and we'll have the same uh, folks to give an update on where we are with the vaccines. But as the county, um, you know, our job is to help communicate the status uh, and, and get the public information as quickly as possible. And so that's what we're attempting to do. So what website should people go to if they want to get a current status? So um, there's a lot of information on the AlachuaCounty.us site, AlachuaCounty.us. And uh, we've got frequently asked questions on that site. We've got um, uh, a portal that shows the actual um, number of cases as well as the number of folks that are being vac vaccinated. Um, we, we really are number one as far as per capita in the state due largely to your que previous question to the work that UF Health is doing. They are um, really, really doing a lot of vaccines for a lot of folks in the community. Um, and then again, that's being supplemented by North Florida Regional Medical Center, the VA, and then the local health department. So I took a look, like I said, at the, the, the last commission meeting on the 12th, and I saw some excellent questions and conversation uh, between your commission members and Mr. Myers. Uh, they were talking about the phases of vaccine distribution. The healthcare workers and first responders, I think, was number one, and then it went to high-risk individuals and those in congregate settings. Have, have any parameters been set for the definition of congregate settings and so forth. I, I saw a lot of Q&A on that particular point of how definitions were set for those categories. Yeah, and so the health department is really in charge of that area and they have been um, vaccinating the employees uh, in all of our long-term care facilities um, and everyone out at Grace Marketplace. Um, and really uh, the governor's order it's a risk-based kind of approach. Everyone over the age of 65 um, is first. And so, uh, as well as all the healthcare workers. And so I believe the majority, if not all of our healthcare workers, all of our first responders um, have been vaccinated, at least with the initial vaccine. Um, and they are now working through the over 65. I know uh, at that meeting, I think Paul had mentioned we, we were in the mid 80s. Um, my mom is 79. She just got her first one yesterday, which, well, not yesterday, I guess this is uh, this last week, and she's 79. So I think they're moving down that age group. And uh, it would be my hope that we can get through the 65 and over in the next uh, couple of months. What are the challenges as far as getting supply of uh, the COVID vaccine? Jeffrey, that's the biggest challenge, really. Um, it, it's not just a, a supply challenge, it's a communication challenge. At, at the meeting, we heard um, that UF and the health department and the other healthcare providers, they really don't get the information from the state um, at the best case a week in advance, uh, and in many cases a day or two in advance. And so, um, 
that's why we have a list. You know, we've got a big list. And when those uh, vaccines become available, they are working through the contacting folks for appointments and getting through their list. So the, really the biggest challenge is communication on the supply side. Um, they're coming directly from uh, Pfizer, my understanding from Pfizer on the fi for the Pfizer vaccine. And then um, same with Moderna. One thing I thought was interesting was uh, at, at your last meeting, they were talking about uh, the super spreader, uh, the, the tracing, and you talked about retail environments followed by bars and restaurants, followed by gatherings and meetings. Um, but my understanding is there is no thought, at least at this time, about changing uh, the percentages or anything like that in terms of, uh, in, in terms of capacity. You're gonna take a wait and see attitude. Did I understand that correctly? Yeah, I think that's really important for folks to hear. You know, we're going to follow the data. And um, what we believe, what I believe, I believe what Paul kind of communicated last week was that um, we view the really spike in cases um, more as a holiday event than so much of, a, a, you know, something that we need to make modifications for locally. I, um, you know, we've been going through this what, close to 10 months, there's not a lot of folks that don't know that we have a global pandemic out. And I think many people are changing their personal behaviors accordingly. Um, I said in that meeting uh, that I, I have nothing but admiration for our business community. They have adjusted and in many cases had to change their, their business model for how customers are served, certainly the restaurants and bars. Um, and so I, I want to continue to encourage and support our business community, thank them. Um, and we're going to follow the data. And the data right now uh, is not indicating that we need to do anything other than continue to follow the guidelines, which are to wash your hands, don't touch your face, keep socially distanced, especially when you're inside. When you're inside and you can't put on a mask, um, you know, those are the things that are going to keep this community safe. and. Um, and then we got to get folks vaccinated. And so I think what 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 I have seen, maybe you've seen, is there's a lot of hope out there for folks that are getting vaccines. It's just going to take time. And so I think the the real key here is continue to be diligent, um, continue to support our local businesses that are being diligent, um, and let's get vaccines in people's arms. What what are some of the things that the county commission uh, has done during COVID that you're really proud of? Well, um, you know, I, 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 again, I think working with our business community, working with our health department hand in hand, working with UF hand in hand, I've, I've been really proud at the, the level of communication and really everyone kind of coming together um, to, to try to solve this issue. I've been really proud of our staff. You know, people have talked about, I've had to completely rethink how I do my business, and I get that. Um, and we've had to completely rethink how county does county business. And so um, there's been a, a lot of uh, folks that have been able to work from home in certain instances, um, streamline permitting processes. Uh, what we found at county government is, you know, Zoom meetings um, can be Zoomed up really quick and you can get a lot of information to a lot of people relatively quickly as opposed to scheduling, uh, you know, a big meeting. And so um, I've also been really proud of the, really the citizens and their um, interaction at our meetings. You know, that we've, we've had to go to kind of a virtual meeting, a hybrid type approach, um, but we, we have a lot of folks that are tuning into the county meetings and still leaning in on giving us, you know, their thoughts. So um, I guess like every business, Jeffrey, you know, it's, um, you have to constantly adapt. Government doesn't do that really well. But in this case, I think local government has done a pretty good job of kind of adapting. Well, it's interesting. You know, we just had Coach Mary Wise on before you, and she talked about how, while obviously COVID has affected what she does as a Division I major sports coach, there are certain things that she sees going forward that even when the pandemic is over, that she's going to continue to do. I'm sure speaking on behalf of our law firm, same thing. And I think that's what you're saying, too, is that there are a lot of positives that have come from this that help in terms of improving citizen interaction? Well, first of all, um, I was brainwashed as a Gator. I, I was going to Gator football games since I was four, and I only applied to one college. So go Gators, way to go, Mary. 
Um, and, and, and that's right. You know, UF has kind of led the way in a lot of areas with regards to um, not just athletics, but how they've been dealing with this issue. And um, I see this as a real opportunity for um, county government in changing kind of how it interacts. You know, we, the world's changed quickly. And so I think as technology has advanced, what we're doing right now, we probably could have done this four five years ago, but we just didn't, right? And so um, what I see is kind of this acceleration of technology into every form of business and form of government to make it um, more efficient. More efficient government means um, less taxes for taxpayers. And so, uh, you know, I think the the, the community wants us to do that. Taxpayers want, want, want us to do that. And we're going to continue doing that. We're going to take what's really worked and probably expand on it. And um, I'm excited about that. We've got to take a break. Commissioner Ken Cornell is our guest. And again, you are watching Melden Law and Friends, a weekly podcast from Melden Law. Take a look at our website, www.meldenlaw.com, or give us a call anytime, statewide, toll-free at one 800 373-8000. Our primary practice areas are personal injury cases and criminal defense, but whatever it is, give us a call anyway. Jeffrey will steer you in the right direction. Thank you so much for being part of our program. We'll be right back for one more segment with Commissioner Ken Cornell. Being a client in Melden Law was special because I felt like I was really being listened to and I felt welcome by the entire staff. If I were in a situation where I needed legal advice and help, I would absolutely reach out to Jeffrey because his reputation alone speaks for itself. But on a personal level, I know that he would take care of me and help me solve those problems and I would feel safe with him. I was driving behind a lady and very suddenly she moved out of the way. There was a log laying in the road. And when I hit my brakes, I went on top of the log. I had 280 discs. I just haven't been the same since. Jeffrey Melden fought for me all the way. Him and his team really went there for me. Throughout the whole lawsuit, he made sure that my bills was paid. It was never no whenever I called him and asked him for something. Hello and welcome back to Melden Law and Friends, your weekly podcast for Melden Law, statewide law firm, primary office in Gainesville, also with offices in South Florida covering the entire Tri-County area and also in Marion County. So we are statewide, Jeffrey Meldon, and the, today's the 22nd of January, 13th episode. Yes, and uh, we're really <laughs> excited. Uh, everything is moving along, and we've had a great string of guests on Meldon Law and Friends, and uh, Ken Cornell uh, is with us today, our county commissioner, who's chairman of the Alatra County Commission. So, Ken, I want to ask you on a very positive note, um, moving forward into 2021-2022, what are some really uh, great projects that the county commission has on its plate? Well, you know, our job is public health, safety, and welfare. And so we've spent the first part on public health, I guess, I guess public safety is, you know, right next to that as far as I'm concerned. And and the, the big thing that we really need to focus on this year is our uh, public radio system, which is how all of the first responders communicate with each other. Um, I think that that's a big one and always roads. I mean, roads, roads, roads. We're going to be paving 219A uh, on the east side of the county and uh, continuing to, con to uh, invest in uh, additional monies for our roads. So I would say those kind of two areas. Um, and then on the welfare side, you know, I think when I think of welfare, I think of economics. And so we've got a number uh, of big things happening economically that I'm happy to talk about. We're um, continuing the Ag Center out in Newberry. Uh, we are continuing our focus on the Waldo Road corridor, um, primarily with the city of Gainesville. And then uh, our single legislative agenda item this year is the uh, sports arena located in Celebration Point, which is a public-private partnership between the developer of Celebration Point, the county, and hopefully the state of Florida. Can you talk a little bit about uh, that? Because I've been really excited about that project, and I've been oh, yeah. following it, and I know 
there was a lot of talk about it uh, in the beginning of the year. Uh, it's right next to where uh, Steve Spurry is going <laughs> to have his big restaurant. Yeah, yeah, Coach's Restaurant. That's going to be a great thing. Let me talk a little bit about that if I could. Um, sure. It's a project that this county, the hospitality uh, group, um, and really uh, everyone in the region has been talking about. Let's see, I've been on the board over, I guess, six years, and I know it was at least a decade before me. So 16 years we've been talking about uh, doing something. Um, and this, uh, like I said, is a public-private partnership between the developer um, who, excuse me, sorry about that. So the developer who is um, really willing to do the project. I mean, this is a $46 million project. It is uh, over 100,000 square feet with regards to an indoor track facility and multi-purpose facility. The county is looking at pledging approximately $30 million of tourist development tax. Uh, the private developer is going to be bringing 14 to $15 million to uh, build the parking garage and some of the other things. And we're asking uh, the state to contribute about $2.5 million um, so that we can really have a, a, a world-class track facility. You know, when they redid the O'Connell Center, that, that that really closed down that facility for um, public sporting events. And uh, that is a huge economic driver to our community. Uh, I've got two kids that played travel soccer. They're older now, 25 and 27. But um, I, I was involved in helping kind of build the Jonesville Park out. And the thing that was the biggest thing there is We've got the Gators, we've got the University Athletic Association, we've got a lot of um, folks that play sports, whether that's volleyball or basketball, or in my case, soccer, and we're always having to travel away. And it wouldn't it be great to have people traveling to us? It's good for our economy, it's good for our families, um, and it's just good for Alachua County. And so I'm excited about um, this yeah. prospect. Uh, and and I guess I could probably talk for the whole hour on this, but um, I yeah, guess I'll have camps there as well. Like even Coach Wise, who we just had on the show, I imagine she'll benefit uh, having volleyball camps and such. I mean, absolutely, volleyball camps, basketball camps, track events. You know, when we were looking at this five years ago, um, it was a forty thousand square foot facility. But the Gainesville Sports Organizing Commission really, uh, and really the hoteliers, really helped us develop and and told us that if you build a facility that's just a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger meaning mm -hmm. they can put an indoor track, um, they could fill up 39 to 40 weekends right off the bat without even thinking about it. And so it's it's a huge asset that has a, a huge demand locally. I think we're located perfectly in the state for it. It's really a regional facility. Um, and that tied with what we have to offer here with the University uh, of Florida and, and with the Gainesville Sports Organizing Commission. I think it's just a great, great project located in a really you know, good place. Uh, I'll tell you, Ken, um, my son was a tennis player and he played at a high mm -hmm. level and we traveled as a family. And, you know, you go uh, for two or three days and uh, you're everybody's spending money and involved. And, you know, it seems to me like it's a no brainer. Yeah, we did a, uh, the county did actually an economic uh, analysis a couple of years ago, and um, that showed that it would have an economic contribution of $1.2 billion to the area. And so um, we've got a lot of hotels, we've got a lot of uh, uh, restaurants, and that economic activity into the community um, is something that, like I said, this county has been working on for i think 16 17 years and um if we can if we can turn some shovels while i'm still on this commission uh i, I feel like <laughs> turn some shovels <laughs> well That's whatever we can do to promote it you know Certainly. we're there because uh you can well there's really a lot exciting. call your governor call your local representatives and um and support us we're actually going to be talking about it coming up on january 26th so that's tuesday so i think this uh that's um yeah, so Tuesday of next week, uh, and and then from there, hopefully, we'll have a term sheet 
there'll still be lots to, to discuss. But yeah. then, uh, like I said, it's the single legislative item that we're asking the state to help us with this year. What I wanted to also ask you, I drove out Newberry Road to uh, past Newberry yesterday, and I saw this big, the uh, former uh, uh, facility there for horses. What's Canterbury? Going on there? Yep. So that was last year's uh, big ag center project that we're doing uh, along with IPIS. So IPIS, um, as you know, is the premier ag institute in the state of Florida, and we're hoping that that's going to be their flagship building. Um, so the county bought Canterbury, uh, and we are now um, putting uh, 15 to $20 million into that facility to really um, create uh, an ag center um, in a great place that is focused on agriculture, which is out in the what, city of Newberry. What about the fairgrounds and, you know, the county fairs and stuff like that? Where are we so going that, to be doing? That will also uh, be out there at a, at a limited extent. Um, we still have the property of the fairgrounds over on the corner of Waldo Road and 39th Avenue. That has been committed to, which is another great economic project, the uh, Army Reserve, and they're intending to build a uh, equipment facility um, there in the next couple of years and, and spend over $30 million uh, in economic activity on that corner, which will then spur uh, much, much more economic activity right on the northern part of Waldo Road, which um, again, was one of the earlier priorities that I had mentioned. Sounds like there's some tremendous things on the agenda for the next year. So we'll certainly be keeping an eye on all of these things. Ken, let me ask you this. You, you were talking earlier about how Zoom has improved access for citizens and such. Certainly there are opportunities for a citizen who may not have, may not want to run for office, but they want to get involved. What are some ways that people can become involved with the commission in terms of committees and such? Yeah, so um, if you go to our website, again, it's alachuacounty.us, we have, I believe, over 15 advisory committees um, that we desperately need folks to lean in and participate on. Um, last year with the, with the pandemic, those committees didn't meet in person anymore, but we passed some policies over the last couple of months that basically allowed for us to continue the advisory board meetings via Zoom. The governor's order requires that if you take any action uh, at the commission level, that a majority of the, of the participants are um, there and in person. So our meetings, we have five commissioners, we have to have three in the room and two can participate via Zoom. So we kind of adopted that same policy with regards to our advisory boards, which is they're all gonna be Zoom, but if they take any, so that's kind of a workshop, but if they decide to take any action, then each one of them has a staff liaison and they will ensure that a majority of the members are at are on site at that meeting. And so I would, I would say for those that have an interest, whether that's the Rural Concerns Committee, or the Tourist Development Committee, or the Economic um, Economic Committee, or the Environmental Protection Committee, go onto our website, fill out an application, keep it current with us, and then when those vacancies come up, which we do this almost every meeting, um, we we would love to appoint you. You can find out what the schedule is for when those meetings are, and even if you're not on the board, we encourage folks to participate to give us their thoughts and to lean in because there's so much expertise in this community that the commission not only uh, appreciates receiving, but um, desperately needs. And so I would ask folks, if you have an interest, check out our advisory boards and, and participate in your government. It's, it's, it's your government. Well, that's you know? great. I, Ken, I wanted to ask you, we've all been, uh, you know, concerned about trying to uh, revitalize downtown. Does the uh, county commission get involved with that or is it strictly the city of Gainesville? So great question. Two years ago, we actually um, changed the CRA, which is a community redevelopment agency, which um, to uh, give the city of Gainesville the flexibility to take 
the contributions from the county, which is two thirds of what the city contributes, we contribute at our millage rate. They contribute at their millage rate, um, and and build some flexibility into spending that money in the CRA area, which included the downtown area, the College Park area, the East Side area, um, and the Fifth Avenue area. And so the city of Gainesville is really taking the lead on that. But as part of that agreement, Jeffrey, what we asked is that annually they present to the county commission what the, the current projects are downtown specifically um, and give us an opportunity to kind of contribute uh, our thoughts and ideas on that. And so um, I think that's coming up in March and I would encourage your viewers to kind of, uh, I guess, watch and, and, and give some input on that. So we're going to have to wrap it up. We could have gone on for another half hour, 45 minutes or more. Commissioner Cornell, thank you so much for being a part of our program today. Like he said, go to alachuacounty.us for more information about the work of the Alachua County Commission. We'd love to have you back on soon. Thank you again. Thank you, and thank We appreciate it. You're watching Melvin Lyon, friends. Thank you so much. That's a wrap for today. We'll see you next week.